Welcome to the podcast series by Writers Key. Hi everyone. I'm Anjali Ragbir. I'm from Writers Key, uh, an education consultancy based out of New Delhi, India. Uh, we're delighted to host yet another session uh, with an admissions officer from a brilliant university. Sorry, sorry, what's happening? Sorry, sorry, what's happening there? Sorry about that. Um, so at Writer's Key, uh, we help students with college applications uh, and we try to make the journey as easy as possible. Uh, to this end, we've started a with uh, various admission officers and we call it the College Brew. Uh, where it's a place where you can ask your questions, where you can feel, uh, you know, uh, free to kind of find out all the difficult details about how to address uh, college applications. Uh, today we have with us uh, Alexander Polk, uh, the Assistant Director of uh, Admissions from NYU. Um, NYU is very, very special uh, at Writers Key. I personally went to NYU and I did a term uh, in 92 over there. My father graduated from Stern Business School in 1958, when it was very unheard of going to um, as colleges abroad. Uh, the entire city turned out to say goodbye to him, apparently, from what I hear. Uh, and now my daughter's just graduated from NYU uh, this May. So NYU is something that you know I'm very excited to bring to this platform. Um, and we're so delighted to have Alexander with us, who's going to share with us exactly how NYU um, admits students, uh, what they're doing about COVID, uh, what are the different majors, what are the brilliant schools that they have. Uh, so thank you, Alex, for joining us. And I invite you to the platform and would love to hear more about NYU. And of course, I have with me Rachna Grewal, my uh, colleague, uh, who's uh, been an educator for 10 years. And she's uh, been working hard at putting all the questions together. Uh, so that everyone, uh, everyone's questions go um, answered. Uh, we're going to have the Q&A where you can post any queries that you have along uh, with the chat. So, so welcome everyone and Alex is here with us. So I invite you to start, please. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for having me this evening join you. Um, it's, I'm delighted to be here. Again, my name is Alexander Polk, and I'm the Assistant Director of Admission at New York University, otherwise known as NYU. I'm going to go ahead and share my screen quickly because I have a few slides and visuals that I'd like to show you. So if a few of you could give me thumbs up to show that, that you could see the screen and I will proceed. It looks like that we're all good to go. Um, and so, and, and, and thank you for that introduction. Uh, that's a wonderful story about your father. I, I certainly can imagine it was a pioneer of his time to come um, all the way um, into the US back in the 1950s. So it's, that's a great story. Um, so, so it's great to be here among a, a multi-family alumni of, of NYU. Um, so again, I'm the Assistant Director of Admission at NYU, and I work primarily with students in your region, in India and all of South Asia, as well as Central Asia and some countries um, along other countries, including Russia, Mongolia, and a few others. So uh, I have a strong um, affinity, and I, and I love when I'm able to visit India. So I always want to start this out by saying I'm sorry that this is not in person. Um, but we're glad to be able to chat uh, virtually. And again, I'm here to answer any questions you might have. And so as you know, NYU is a 
a fairly large university right in the middle of New York City, primarily a research institution. And we offer approximately 240 different programs of study, different courses of study at NYU. And that is consistently growing. So we think of ourselves as a very urban, very progressive institution with an enormous uh, value and enormous um, interest in research and academics. And so one thing that you'll hear if you're ever able to visit NYU or you've listened to some of our other webinars is that we are a campus without walls. And by that, we mean we are literally right in the middle of New York City. We are not a traditional US university where you may have a secluded area or a gated campus that might be off to the side of a city or in, or in the middle of the country. Um, we are literally right in the middle of New York. And so when you're walking from building to building on campus at NYU, aside from those purple NYU flags that hang from many of our buildings, you might actually not know you're on a university campus. And we do that on purpose. We do that because we want students to be in and of the city. We want New York City to be part of NYU and vice versa. So that when you graduate after four years of study, um, or several years of, of graduate programs at NYU, you have experienced the real world and you've experienced New York, the largest city in the United States and all the things that it has to offer. So while we are a full functioning campus and I'll explain more about student life and housing in a later slide, uh, we are certainly in and of the city and that's something we're very proud of. We like to think of ourselves as non-exclusive. You don't need to pass through uh, a gate to get on campus. Anyone can walk around and be part of the community and part of the city. So uh, a quick note that I do, I would like to bring up first and foremost is regarding the global crisis that we're all experiencing and all being heavily affected by right now um, of COVID-19. And so um, right now there are understandably an enormous amount of questions about what the future is going to look like. And unfortunately, a lot of the answers to those questions through any university or even any organization is to be determined. And, and so it's, it's, the answer is that we just don't know yet. So uh, we do invite all students and prospective students and their families to ask as many questions as they want to. Um, but, but we always come out with a caveat that unfortunately, a lot of things are still being determined as we're seeing the changes of infection rates, recommendations from the government or the CDC and other health officials. And so um, above all, the health and safety of our students, staff and faculty will come first at NYU. What I can tell you though is, is a little bit about what our fall will look like for fall of 2020. And the good news is that there are a lot of options. So NYU will be open in fall of 2020, functioning as an on-campus institution. However, we are giving students several options. So those who feel comfortable and want to live on campus and take classes on campus are going to be able to do that this fall. However, students who are uncomfortable doing that or they may not be able to get travel to our campus for various reasons, whether that is they're coming from overseas and they're having issues getting out of their country or visa restrictions, or for those who live in the United States and simply aren't comfortable being on campus, they have the option to spend their first semester this fall completely online. So students can either be in person or online or a mix of both. And then finally, as I'll talk about later, NYU is fortunate in that we have campuses all over the world. So for students who are experiencing visa issues unique to this fall for the COVID crisis, are able to request to study at one of our other global sites where it might be easier for them to obtain 
either a visa or if they are living in a region that does not require a visa for one of our global campuses, they can spend their first term studying there. So that's a lot of information and there's a lot of details that will be ironed out as the weeks go on. But we do want students to know that is what our fall is looking like currently at NYU. And we're fortunate enough to have the vast global network that we do that we can make those many offerings for students and accommodate what students are most interested in, whether that's being in person or taking classes remotely for the first term. In terms of admission requirements, all the admission requirements for this upcoming year will remain the same. So we still will be requiring standardized test scores for students who are in a program that requires a standardized test score. So we're not waiving those for this coming year. All of our deadlines will remain the same as well. So there's really not gonna be much change. We're going to see the same admissions procedures as we always have for this upcoming year. And I'll explain that getting into our next slide, kind of what we're looking for. Alex, can I interrupt you there? Sure. Um, in terms of, um, in terms of, uh, in case campuses are unable to welcome back students um, for whatever reason, would there be a difference in the tuition for them, or would it be the same as what is being um, for an in-person um, attendance? Mm -hmm. So unfortunately that falls under the category of it's to be determined. Um, so we, there, mm -hmm. there have not been any announcements made regarding that um, from NYU yet. And the reason why is because they had just released these options just fairly recently, just last week. And so we sure. wanted students to be aware of the potential options, which these are, um, but in terms of the details, and that's a very important and very good question as to will there be a differential in tuition um, if students take only online classes. Um, and unfortunately, we don't have an answer just yet, but I believe in the next week or so or, or, or coming weeks, we'll have a little bit more information and hopefully that will be addressed as soon as possible. Sure. Um, and one more question is that how would you integrate freshmen virtually? Is there sort of some plan in place for that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So we've been very successful with our um, working with our incoming students and our graduating seniors in high school in terms of our virtual open houses, virtual town halls, virtual events where they can meet with faculty and students and campus and, and other administrators on campus. And so we imagine we'd be able to conduct a similar experience for students who are not going to be able to join us for this fall semester, those first year students to have that orientation experience on a virtual platform. So we, we certainly have plans in the works for making that a reality for students. And um, some of our other global sites we've had to do very similar uh, options um, on our Abu Dhabi campus instead of doing our traditional candidate weekend where they were invited to come to campus and learn about Abu Dhabi. We did that virtually and it was actually very successful. So we imagine we'll have a similar experience for our, our incoming first year students who are not going to be able to join us on campus this fall. Okay, thank you, thank you, carry yeah, on. Sure. Uh, so in terms of what I'd like to do right now is just dive into the application requirements and what makes an applicant competitive for NYU. And so at NYU, the only way to apply is through the Common App. So we accept the Common Application and typically the Common App becomes available August 1, uh, August 1st or 2nd, usually the, the first week of August. So once that starts, for those of you who are going into your year 12, you'll be able to begin the application process on the Common App in August. And so NYU is both a early decision and a regular decision school. So in terms of application plans, students have the opportunity to apply to NYU early and get a decision from us as to whether you've been admitted or not early. And it is a binding commitment. So 
Some of you may have heard of both early decision and early action, where early action is an early plan, but there's no commitment. Early decision means that there is a commitment, and NYU only does early decision. So if you apply early decision to NYU, that's for students who know for 100% sure that they will attend NYU if they are admitted. We kind of like to think of it as a marriage proposal. We joke a little bit about that, that that is your way of telling us that you will be coming to NYU. And so for those who are interested in applying early decision, there are two deadlines and they are always November 1st and January 1st. And after you apply for early decision, within three to four weeks of submitting your application, you will have a decision from us as to whether or not you're admitted to NYU. And if you are admitted, like I said, then you are required to withdraw all of your other university applications and pay the deposit to commit to NYU. Um, so it's a great option for those who know that NYU is for them. Uh, but if you're not 100% sure, then you should probably do what most students do, which is to apply regular decision. That, uh, that deadline is also January 1st. However, those who apply regular decision, they will not find out their decision until early April. Usually April 1st is when that will be released, but then there is no commitment. You're not obligated to attend, and that's the way that most students will apply. When we are reviewing the applications at NYU, uh, students always want to know what's the most important part of the application. By far, your academics will drive our decision. So when we say academics, we mean your grades, the courses you took while you were in school, and your standardized test score. Those are by far the most important factors on your application. There are other factors that we look at on the application, certainly, including letters of recommendation, extracurricular activities, but I wanna be very clear. Sometimes students think that if they have a glowing letter of recommendation, but they don't have very good academics, that maybe that will compensate for lower academics. And unfortunately, that's not true. Um, we don't, we, we are unable to use the other components of the application kind of as a band-aid for a lower academic performance. So academic performance is very important. We expect students to be taking rigorous classes and earning high grades in those classes. While we don't have a minimum score for admission, most students have the equivalent of an A grade in most of their classes for admission to NYU doesn't mean you have to have all perfect grades all the time, but mostly A's is what we're looking for. Um, and so in terms of the standardized test score, we accept a variety of different options. The SAT, of course, the ACT are very popular. We do accept students who want to submit their predicted year 12 exam grades that can count for your standardized test score. So if you've not taken SAT or ACT, your predicted year 12s will be able, you, you will be able to use that as a standardized test score. If you're taking A-levels or an IB curriculum, those predicted grades could also suffice for the standardized test score. So there are a lot of options. So please keep that in mind if you are someone who is unable to take the SAT for, for whatever reason. In terms of what we're looking for for course requirements, as I mentioned, we have over 240 different courses at NYU and different majors to study. We're really not looking for many for much difference in course preparation in high school. So sometimes students will come to us and ask, oh, I want to study engineering or business. What classes should I take in high school? And it's really not going to vary that much from classes students take who are interested in arts and science. We want to see that you've taken all the major academic subject areas at the highest level if possible. So it is important to have courses such as high, uh, a high level of mathematics that includes calculus, potentially physics. We want to see English language or literature classes throughout high school, but none of them are absolute requirements. So 
we just recommend students take the classes that you're most interested in and the most rigorous options and do well in those classes and you'll be prepared to apply for pretty much any of our programs so we have very few basically no prerequisite courses for any of our particular majors which is something that's a little bit different from um, some other countries and universities around the world um, so some exceptions and some um, notes that i want to make about the application process if you're interested in applying to a program that requires an artistic review component such as our tisch school of the arts which typically requires an audition or if you're applying to our music program in steinhardt with a music performance audition or studio art program that will require a portfolio those are all called artistic review programs if you are applying to an artistic review program you do not need to submit a standardized test so you can use the audition process in lieu of the standardized test so if you've taken the sat and you're also going to audition for tisch you're probably better off not submitting the sat at all uh, sometimes we have students who do want to still submit their standardized test scores, but they don't have to and, and, and truly they're not necessarily better off submitting them unless you have really exemplary standardized test scores. But if you've taken the SAT and you have an average score and you're planning on doing a program that requires a portfolio or an audition, you're probably better off not submitting a standardized test score. So hopefully that's helpful and, and clarifies a little bit. So I know a lot of universities will say things like, we look at every component of the application and that's really important. And while that is true at NYU, I will say, aside from the grades and standardized test scores, the other component that's really, really important is the supplemental question, which is why NYU? And the reason why that's so important is because it's a short question. We're looking for maybe a couple paragraphs on why you're interested in studying at NYU. But it's important because we're looking at that to make sure that you've done your research and that you understand both NYU's campus and culture, as well as the program for which you are applying to. So unfortunately, we find that a lot of times students don't take this question very seriously and they might just answer a quick um, sentence or two about how they love New York City. We don't really wanna hear something like that. We're really looking about why specifically NYU and why the program in which you're applying for, like why is that the, the program that you are so interested in? Um, and so show us that you've done some research on that and you know about uh, the labs that are being offered within the Tampin School of Engineering, Mechanical Engineering major, or you're, you've heard about the Wasserman Center for Career Services and how that's gonna help you get an internship through, through Stern School of Business. So um, those, are, those are really important components. So why NYU is something that we want students to take very seriously on the application. And of course, other aspects will be reviewed such as your letters of recommendation and your essay. Moving along. Lots of questions. Yeah, sure, there's lots yeah, of questions wanna... on the application, uh, Please, which yes. is, I think there's a lot of worry about test optional, uh, which you did mention. Um, how important are those scores for NYU? Or is it okay that students don't have access to it right now? Uh, is it okay if one doesn't send in scores? Would they be at a disadvantage? Well, well so, are, so are you asking for the Tisch students or are you? So, um, not for the Tisch students. Okay. Not so for the ones which are having a, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so students, it is, it is a requirement unless you are in one of those programs that requires an audition or a portfolio review. There is no option. It, we're not test optional. You do have to submit a test score. And there are a few options, okay. as I mentioned. So that doesn't have to be SAT or the ACT, um, but it could be predicted standard 12 exam grades. 
It could be predicted IB or AP courses, things of that nature, but that is a requirement. Okay. So if a student does not submit that, unfortunately their application is gonna be incomplete and it will not be reviewed. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's very important. Right. And I think there's a concern about students. Some students are not strong test takers. Um, so how does one compensate for someone who's not a strong test taker? What other part of the application can they highlight uh, for it to stand absolutely. out for you? Yeah, absolutely. So if a student is not a strong test taker, then we're really going to expect to see um, very high grades on the transcript. So if a, if a student doesn't have a, um, a, 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 an above average test score, then the first thing we'll do is we'll look, in, we'll look at the student's transcript to make sure that they've earned high grades in their courses. So that's really the best and, and um, that's really the best way to compensate for not being a strong test taker. But think other aspects such as being very involved outside of school with extracurricular activities, that is something that will help compensate for that. Um, again, it's not going to serve as kind of a cover-up or a band-aid, so to speak, for lower academic performance. So having a high test score is going to be important, but if students don't have that, but they also have high grades and they're very involved outside of the classroom, that, that can definitely be um, a factor that we would still consider that application. Okay, lovely. Um, and I think there's some questions around the majors as well. Um, sure. One is, which are your most competitive majors? Absolutely. Um, so I do plan on covering some information about that um, at a future okay. slide, but I'll, 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 that's fine to take this question now. Um, so certainly um, the most competitive campus to apply to is our Abu Dhabi campus that has the most selective. Um, in terms of majors, our College of Arts and Science is one of the most selective programs in the institution and every year it gets more and more selective. Certainly our Stern School of Business is quite selective as well. The admit, admission rate is quite low for that. Um, as well as our performing arts, such as our drama and musical theater programs, those are very selective. Okay, thank you. Lovely. I'll ask a couple more questions that are coming sure. up as we go along. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay. Um, so shifting the conversation a little bit to uh, financial aid opportunities. So for students who are non-US citizens, you have the same financial aid opportunities as our US students. So there is no difference. The only difference is that the paperwork you file is slightly different. So our US students need to file both the FAFSA and the CSS profile. Non-US students only have to file the CSS profile. That is the only way to apply for financial aid and any potential scholarships at NYU. So when you fill out your application, Typically 10 days after the application deadline, the financial aid CSS profile will be due. And it's really, really important that you submit that on time because if a student submits that even one day late, they're at a severe disadvantage for financial aid. So typically students will submit both their application and the CSS profile at the same time to ensure that they're considered for maximum financial aid. Financial aid at NYU is almost entirely need-based, so and that is both for US and non-US students. So it's going to be based on your family's need, income, ability to pay, um, whether or not there are other family members currently in university. So that will all affect a student's need. And so when you apply for admission and financial aid at NYU, once you are admitted, you will also at the same time receive your financial aid package which will typically be in the form of need-based aid, um, such as grants. 
we do have limited scholarship opportunities at NYU. They're, they're, they are not opportunities that students can directly apply for. Again, the only thing students can do is submit the CSS profile and we will automatically consider you for all and any scholarship opportunities that we have. Um, but the majority of the aid will be need-based. We have very limited merit scholarship and departmental scholarship. But if you are awarded a scholarship, you will be made aware of that in your financial aid package. And then of course, we do have opportunities for students to work on campus. That tends to be for smaller expenses, maybe books, transportation, um, certain meals. Um, we're talking like pocket money. It's really not gonna be enough to work on campus to pay your full tuition or, or your housing expenses, um, just because it, it's going to be uh, much more than a student worker would earn on their part-time wages. So, so at NYU, we have three main campuses. Um, our three main campuses that are degree granting campuses are of course in New York, in Abu Dhabi, and in Shanghai. And so New York, Abu Dhabi, and Shanghai are our full degree granting campuses. So when you apply to NYU, you have the option to apply again on the Common App to one, two or all three of those degree granting campuses. So those are gonna serve as your home campus. So if you are only interested in studying in New York, then you should only list New York as your option for what you wanna be considered for at NYU. Um, because if you list both New York and Shanghai and you're admitted to Shanghai, then that is where you will be expected to attend. And that's where you're going to start and conclude your studies at NYU. And so students sometimes are very enthusiastic about multiple campuses. So they want to apply for all three or just two of them. And you can do that and you can rank them in order of preference. So if you list Abu Dhabi as your first choice and New York is your second choice, we will only review you for Abu Dhabi. And only if you are denied from Abu Dhabi, will we go down to your second choice, which is New York. So we do it in a very fair way. We really honor students in terms of what they are interested in. Um, but that being said, we expect students to really, when they apply, to be very intentful and purposeful for the campuses in which they apply, because sometimes students will list all three, they'll be admitted to one of the campuses and say, oh, I didn't want to go to this campus, and, it's, but, and we'll have to come back and say, well, but you did list it on the application, and um, it was your second choice, and you were not admitted to your first choice, so that's why you were admitted to this particular campus. So. Again, if you're only interested in one, then only apply to one, that's completely fine. We want students to list only what they're interested for. In terms of our New York campus, that is of course our original and our largest campus. We have 10 different schools within the New York campus. What's unique about New York is that you apply directly to one of those 10 schools when you apply to NYU. So you would apply directly into our Silver School of Social Work or the College of Arts and Science or the Tandon School of Engineering or Tisch, et cetera, as your main option. So when you apply to New York, again, you do have to apply specifically to a major within one of those 10 schools. If you are undecided, which does happen, typically students who are undecided will apply as undecided within the College of Arts and Science. And then from there, they'll have some time to um, try a few courses before they uh, formally agree to one, which doesn't have to be until the end of their sophomore year. Some programs that are a little bit um, unique or I otherwise not self-explanatory, um, one of them is our Gallatin School. And the Gallatin School is an opportunity for students who 
essentially want to design their own major. So students in the Gallatin program are basically given full reign to create a curriculum and a concentration that blends different disciplines and majors together. So we've had students come up with um, a lot of different opportunities and a lot of different, um, I guess, thesis opportunities and concentrations that they're interested in. Um, we've seen students do a concentration in the politics of literature or the politics of comic books, um, the neuroscience of art. So very um, interesting, kind of eclectic and really um, blending majors that wouldn't exist otherwise. And so if you're someone who likes to design your own major and you don't want to be told what classes to take and you want to work independently with an advisor and really create a unique concentration that's not offered as a, as a traditional major, Gallatin might be for you. So that's one school that students will apply to for a four-year program um, and earning a bachelor's degree in a concentration of their choice and their own design. Um, another option that's a little bit less self-explanatory is our liberal studies program. So our School of Liberal Studies is an opportunity for students to apply to NYU as a general liberal arts student. And they have two years to take uh, general courses among across liberal arts, um, essentially fulfilling their university general education requirements. And then once they're done with those two years, then they will transition to the College of Arts and Science or to Gallatin, or they could apply for internal transfer to our other schools to finish their four-year degree. So it's great for students who either want a really well-rounded liberal arts education and they want to have a variety of small discussion-based classrooms, um, classroom settings for their first two years, or students who are very, very undecided and have no idea what they want to study and they really want to have the opportunity to take those general courses for the first two years. So liberal, art, liberal studies and Gallatin are two programs that we get a lot of questions about, so I want to take some time to explain those. Um, in, the same, um, in the same topic, um, one thing that I know students have questions on is double majoring. At NYU, double majoring is possible. However, there are restrictions. Typically, students are able to have either two majors within the school of their choosing. So for example, if you are in the Tandon School of Engineering, you can have two majors within Tandon, or you could have one major within Tandon, and your second major has to be something within liberal arts, typically in arts and sciences. So again, you couldn't major in both Tandon and Stern, or Tandon and Tisch, but you could do Stern in Arts and Science, Tandon in Arts and Science, Tisch in Arts and Science. So um, again, second major has to be within your school or within Arts and Sciences. Minors are a little bit different. Students can minor in courses all across the board. So you don't have to be a minor within the same school of your major. You could choose really any minor that's available. Um, and that can be something that's of interest to you if you are a Tisch student, but you love psychology and you want to minor in arts and science or you want to minor um, in business, that is, that is frequently an option that students will choose. Another question that I know that we had was talking about changing programs at NYU. And so one thing that I want to be very clear on, when you apply to NYU initially, we really expect students to apply to the program for which they're interested. So if you apply to the College of Arts and Science, it's because you want to spend four years in the College of Arts and Science. If you are admitted to the College of Arts and Science and you decide that you don't like the College of Arts and Science and you want to change your mind, you can do that. However, you have to first spend your first full year in your, initially, in your initial program. So you would have to spend your first year in Arts and Science and then you would apply as an internal transfer. 
Transferring internally between schools at NYU is a very selective process. So it's not something that we ever guarantee. We definitely have students do it every year. It is certainly possible. We understand that sometimes students dislike their major and they wanna change schools, but it is competitive process. And so when students are initially admitted to a program, they may ask us, oh, I applied for arts and science, but I really wanted engineering. Can you just change me before I begin? Unfortunately, the answer is no, you have to finish your first year and then apply as an internal transfer. So it's much less complicated if you just apply directly to the school which you're initially interested in, which is what most students do. Okay. Um, another thing to note is the application itself is really all we're looking for in terms of documents. So sometimes we'll have students who say that they wanna send us their, um, their business portfolios or their resumes or awards or research papers. Unfortunately, we don't accept those items. Um, we get over 85,000 applications per year to NYU, so we just don't have the time to review documents that are not required. So we ask students to please fill out the Common App completely, and anything that you want us to know about you should be included in the Common App and any required documents. Because unfortunately, if you come to us with documents that are not required, it's unlikely that they will be reviewed in the process. So please make sure you include everything in the common application. Okay. I wanna have a quick word about our other campuses, our other degree granting campuses. Um, so aside from New York, we have a campus in Abu Dhabi and that campus, uh, the theme and the idea of that campus is internationalization and globalization. So all three of our degree granted campuses are very strong in the liberal arts and the natural sciences. So you could study those majors at any of our campuses. Um, but Abu Dhabi specifically also has a strong emphasis in both drama and performance, as well as engineering. They have a fantastic engineering and design lab at Abu Dhabi. And Abu Dhabi students also are highly interested, as I mentioned, in internationalization. Because Abu Dhabi is such a developing city right now, and there's so much interest globally, and companies with investments and setting up offices in Abu Dhabi and just students and, and folks from literally all over the world. It is a very diverse place. So it's a great place for students who wanna to come together at a global developing up and coming location of the world and live on our Abu Dhabi campus and experience the internships and the culture and the opportunities that it has to offer. Abu Dhabi is also by far our most diverse campus. We have students from over 100 different countries at our Abu Dhabi campus. So it certainly goes to show that there's a lot of diversity. Uh, we had a professor tell us recently that in one of his engineering classes, there were 25 students from 24 different countries. Um, and I think the, re the repeat country, it was Moldova. <laughs> so it goes to show that it is not gonna be, um, it, it, you will be amongst a very diverse group if you are a student on the Abu Dhabi campus. Um, so the Shanghai campus, in a similar vein, instead of being focused primarily on globalization, they are focused on globalization within the context of China. So students who are interested in Shanghai can take courses and majors in, again, liberal arts and sciences, but also there's a strong emphasis on business and the fine arts in Shanghai. So if any of those appeal to you and you're very interested in China and getting to know China as an uh, emerging economy and a major global power, the Shanghai campus is a really valuable asset to our global network and it's a wonderful campus. They just built a brand new campus and they're relocating there um, over the summer. And so it's a really exciting place to be. Um, one note about that, so students who are attending any of our campuses overseas, 
the main language of instruction is English. So you, there are no other language requirements aside from English. In Abu Dhabi, you do not necessarily have to study Arabic. However, if you are on the Shanghai campus, you will be required to study Mandarin. You don't need any prior knowledge, but that is a requirement to graduate to have essentially four years of study of Mandarin language. So you'll be very proficient when you graduate, which is very valuable to employers. So those are our three main campuses. I'm gonna switch slides here to show you our global network. Aside from the highlighted three degree granting campuses, we do also offer a handful of other global sites over the, around the world. So we cover um, six continents. Of course, we're not down in Antarctica just yet, um, but those other smaller cities that you could see smaller as in the font is smaller and they're, they're in white. Those, where we, those are NYU campuses where we have dorms, NYU faculty teaching, and all of students' coursework and financial aid will transfer over if you are interested in spending a semester or a year at one of those study away locations. Uh, however, those are not degree granting campuses, so you can't graduate from NYU in Prague or Buenos Aires. You would have to just go for uh, a term or a year, and so students have the option to do that. So if you're a theater student and you want to study Shakespearean theater in London, or if you want to practice Spanish in Buenos Aires, or be part of our uh, biological field research program in Sydney, Australia, those options exist for you. All of your financial aid transfers over, all of your credits transfer over, it's a very seamless process. So we are quite a global institution. So whether or not you're studying on um, Abu Dhabi, Shanghai, or New York's campus, you can study away. And by the way, New York, Abu Dhabi, and Shanghai also serve as study away locations. So we do see students who are at our Shanghai campus who will spend a semester or a year on our New York campus. So either way, you're gonna be interacting with a lot of folks from all over the world. So that's very exciting. And so just a, a final slide to talk a little bit about uh, our New York campus specifically. So while we are in the middle of the city, and as you can see, New York is as urban as it gets, sometimes we get the question of um, wanting to know about student life and is there campus facilities available or is this just classrooms and buildings in the middle of the city? Um, we are a full functioning campus, a full service uh, university campus where we have housing that's guaranteed for students. We have many, many different dining halls and eateries. We have athletic facilities. We have uh, sports teams, we have 300 clubs and organizations. So it is, it has all the amenities that any standard university campus would have. It's just that we happen to be right in the middle of a large city. So it's really kind of the best of both worlds. If you are not a city person and you hate being the idea of being in the city, then it might not be the best option for you. Uh, although I will say that the Abu Dhabi campus is a little bit more secluded and it's not quite as urban. So maybe that's a good option for you. Um, so at New York's campus, Housing is guaranteed for first year students. And as long as you continue to live on campus, you will always be guaranteed housing. For students who choose not to live on campus, which by the way, it's not required, um, they can live off campus. But if they want to then after living off campus, suddenly want to live on campus, it is not guaranteed and they have to enter a lottery system. If you live in Shanghai or Abu Dhabi, it is required to live on campus and that is the only option. Uh, in terms of student life, we have students from literally everywhere with all kinds of interests. So our clubs range from professional groups to Greek life, like sororities and fraternities, to political groups, um, academic groups, religious groups. So there's a lot of organizations for students to get involved and to feel at home and to feel that like they have a place where they can be with people with similar interests. 
Um, so that's always something that's very exciting for us that we can support that. Um, we do also have Division III NCAA athletics at NYU. So for those who are sports enthusiasts, they do exist. We don't have a big football team and a, and a quad like you might think of a typical American university, but we do have um, athletics at NYU. Um, in terms of support services, we have many options for students to get um, tutoring, to get writing assistance, math tutoring. Um, we have student supports in terms of health. Of course, we have um, a student health system. We have campus safety. There are mental health services. We have an office for global services, which helps students adjust coming from overseas. Um, we are quite international. It's about 25% of our students are non-US students. So you are gonna be in very good company for students coming from places from all corners of the earth. Um, we, we think that's one of the best things about NYU. And so you will feel at home and supported at NYU. And if you need certain services, we do offer them at NYU. Um, that also includes accommodating special diets, whether that's for uh, personal prefer preference, religious reasons, or um, health reasons. Um, you will be able to find accommodations and, and, and eat well and find um, that there's something for you certainly as well. And then finally, we have an excellent career center, the Wasserman Center. And that is for students to not only get practice with um, perfecting their resumes and interview skills, but also opens up the database to opportunities for internships and for career opportunities. Because while you want to, of course, get into college and get into university and do well, you want to make sure that when you graduate, you'll have something to do. And that usually means employment. And so being New York City and being so huge in pretty much every industry, we have a vast alumni network. Students who make the effort usually are very successful in securing internships, and frequently those internships will turn into full-time work opportunities upon graduation. So I'm gonna stop there because I know that we have limited time and I do, I do wanna allow time for questions. So hopefully that covered a lot of helpful information. I know it's a lot to take in. I'm going to stop sharing the screen so we could all look at each other, um, but please uh, let us know what questions you may have. So thank you, Alex, that was amazing. And you're right, it was a lot, a lot of information. But I think you covered a lot of topics, uh, you know, about how to do the application, uh, what are the different majors, what could be the discerning points uh, for a student to apply, um, and all of that. So I'm just going to uh, review the questions sort of, you know, uh, section-wise so that, uh, you know, the people understand um, the, the questions and the flow. Um, so there are questions around, I think there's a lot of interest in Stern, of course, um, the management school, the business school. Uh, so uh, people are wondering whether one, you require SAT two subject tests for Stern. Um, and the second question is between the profile of the applicant, the common app essay and the college specific essay that uh, you have of NYU, what really makes one stand out to be a successful Stern applicant? Mm -hmm. Very good questions. Um, so the first question is, um, it is not required to submit SAT subject tests for Stern or for any of our programs in particular. I will say that, as I have mentioned earlier, we, we are flexible with what tests you provide us. So students do have the option of submitting three SAT subject exams instead of the general SAT. Um, so that is an option. So if you have really strong subject exams and you've taken three of them, um, they do have to be, at least one has to be in the humanities and one has to be math and science. So we can't just take three sciences or three maths. Um, but you could submit those for general, your general SAT requirement. But Stern does not have specific or ancillary requirements 
um, in terms of that, we ask that you only submit one form of standardized test. So if you submit the general SAT, just that, no SAT2 subject test. SAT2 subject test, then no general SAT. So we only are gonna be looking at one. And we will ask you on the Common App which one you will want to be considered. Choose the best one you have. Uh, it doesn't look poorly on an applicant if you find that your year 12 predicted marks are a better indicator than your SAT. Submit that, that it, it will not make a difference in your application. So that's a really good question. In terms of making your application competitive for Stern, there are certain things that are, are important. Um, so as I mentioned, the requirements are very similar across the board. But with Stern as such a competitive, uh, such a competitive program, we do expect students to have really high grades. So really high grades. Um, if you're able to take a high level math class that includes calculus, that will definitely make your application stand out. So don't skip math your, your senior year. Definitely take um, a strong math course, um, preferably calculus-based class. Um, so that will be important. Um, and in addition to that, the common app fe application features, as I mentioned, why NYU is gonna be important for Stern. Um, do some research about the offerings that the Stern um, alumni network and faculty have, have in terms of offerings, um, as well as if there's a particular faculty member that you're interested in. Sometimes we see students write about, I like uh, YNYU because I like Stern because I'm interested in this faculty and his career. That's completely fine. But also really, really important for Stern is extracurricular activities. So they wanna see students who are really involved outside their busy studies. So I'm not saying that that's not important for other components of the application or other majors, but it is especially important for Stern. So if you are a serious Stern applicant, we really expect to see heavy involvement outside of the classroom. Doesn't have to be anything specific. It could be student clubs or groups, or it could be um, you are a, even a, a musical performer, it doesn't even have to be business related, but they want to see an eclectic mix of interesting students and showing that interest outside of the classroom besides studying and getting really, really good grades. So hopefully that answers so, the question so, a little bit. Yes, it does. Thank you. Uh, so just for my understanding, so if a student has done business activities, would mm -hmm. it help their application or it makes no it would help their application, but it wouldn't be a requirement. So if a student has done business activities, that's great, that's fine, but we, it's not something that is absolutely required. A Stern applicant, a Stern um, applicant would be better off if they have excellent academic records and they're very involved, but that involvement might have nothing to do with business versus someone who's sure. very involved with business but doesn't have such a great academic record. Um, the first would be a better candidate to be quite honest, because you're gonna, this, the students in Stern are gonna be getting the training and the involvement that they need to be successful in the business world once they get to Stern. So if they, if they are involved and they're taking extra classes and they've had internships or if they've started their own businesses, which we do see, that's fantastic mm -hmm. and we wanna see that, but it's not going to be a requirement. If a student instead is very involved with their church or their, um, religious services and musical performance, but they're a stern applicant, that's also okay. So I hope hopefully that clarifies a little bit. And would AP exams help for stern? Mm -hmm. So again, AP exams can be used in lieu of the SAT requirement, but if they're not choosing to use the AP exam as their standardized test requirement, it's not gonna, it's similar to the SAT subject exam, it's not gonna make a big difference. Being in an AP, AP class in and of itself certainly will help um, show that the student has taken very strong courses. 
So yes, I definitely recommend taking AP classes if that's available. And certainly if you earn a four or a five on the final exam, then you could earn university credit, which is great. Um, but the exam itself, we don't need students to have taken the AP exam in order to apply for Stern unless they're using that as their standardized test requirement. Okay. And uh, what would be the chances in Stern if your score in SL math is high, would HL versus SL math and VIB diploma affect your application chances? <clears throat> Even though your SL score is high. Yeah, not necessarily. We definitely admit students with a high SL score. Um, HL students, they, they are just by nature a little bit more competitive because it is a higher level course. Of course, uh, you know, more rigorous, but it's not, a, it is not an absolute requirement. And we certainly see students every year being admitted with SL math, as long as they earn good marks in that, in that test. So, um, so I wouldn't worry too much about that. I, my typical advice is if you can manage HL, take HL, but if you can't take SL and get a really good grade and, and you should be okay. Okay. Um, moving on to Tish. Um, I think there's a question here which is saying that would you be able to double major at another school such as Stern if you went to Tisch? And is there a minimum IB score for being accepted at Tisch? Mm -hmm. So the minimum IB score, it's not going to be related, unique to any school um, because we would first review your academics centrally at the admissions office and then you would be passed along to Tisch for the audition component. So the IB, the average IB range, the median scores for students, typically it's about a 38 to 40. It's getting a little higher now, maybe 39 to 41. And that's out of the 42 scale. Um, and that's just across the board. That's not unique to Tisch. So there's no minimum requirement, um, but typically students who have a high 30 or above are considered competitive. Um, and so that's, that's one thing to keep in mind. In terms of double majoring, if you are a Tisch student, you could double major within Tisch or within arts and science, but you could not do Tisch and Stern or Tisch and engineering or Tisch and Steinhardt. That would not be allowed. Okay. And purely because it's very rigorous, I suppose. It's very rigorous yeah, well, to balance the two. It's really hard. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Tisch, especially the drama program, that's probably one of the most rigorous. Uh, courses in the entire university. There are just so many studios and classes that students have to take that it's it's sure. not going to be possible to major in something in a different school. Right, sure, sure. So, so there are lots of uh, questions around study abroad as well. Yeah. Uh, one of the questions, uh, a really good question is, how long are the study abroad programs at a non-degree granting campus? So do you have a distinction between some granted degree and some don't? And how long would the duration of a study abroad program mm -hmm. be at a non-degree granting sure. one? Sure, yeah. So, so again, the, the, the degree granting campuses are New York, Shanghai, and Abu Dhabi. And those are full campuses where students start and finish their whole four-year career as students at NYU. In between, they can study away and they could do other things, but that's where they, that is their home campus. Um, for students who are interested in studying away, at a non-degree granting site or even a degree granting site for a semester. Typically it's for one semester up to one year. So usually students do that in their second or third year. Um, however, students who are part of the liberal studies program and a few other programs can actually spend up to two years studying away and those can be at different sites. So, um, so that's the maximum. Usually two years is, is, is a lot and typically it's not, um, it's, it's not what students typically do. But usually one semester to one year, maybe a third semester is possible um, at any of the global campuses. 
Yeah, and it's an amazing experience. My daughter went to Florence, and it was one of the best experiences oh, yeah. I think ever. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's just like an amazing immersion into a different culture, which was absolutely brilliant. Oh, yeah. um, and and so, it's one uh, thing that employers really like to see. So for those of you who are, you know, oh, right. about okay. your first job, Good if you have know. study abroad on your resume, that is a really valuable thing to have. So. Okay, nice. <laughs> um, so um, moving on to merit scholarships and financial aid, mm -hmm. uh, a question is all about what is the role of standardized testing in getting an award? Would that mm -hmm. influence your decision of giving a uh, financial award to the student? So actually, not really, no. Um, so it's a little bit different. I know there are many universities that will say, based on your test score and GPA, you will get XYZ amount of merit aid. There's not a whole lot of merit aid at NYU. We put most of financial aid in need-based. So most students, the mm -hmm. vast majority, don't receive any type of merit scholarship. So it's really just going to be based on need. The scholarships that students do receive typically are based on um, interest scholarships. Um, so if they are applying for certain majors and they're from certain regions, they might automatically qualify um, for a scholarship. Um, yeah, merit, it, it really doesn't come into play too much, especially the standardized test score. So if you're concerned about that, you should not be because your standardized test score will have a large impact on your admission, but in terms of scholarship and financial aid, it's not going to. Okay. Um, and of course, this year is really tough. You know, people are losing jobs and people are really uh, having losses in business. So how is that going to impact uh, financial aid consideration? Are you going to look at the application in terms of COVID, you know, if, if a student is deserving but does, is suffering from a setback financially, mm -hmm. then how would that be uh, taken into account? Sure. So in filing the CSS profile, that is the primary and really the only evaluation that we will use. So I don't know if the CSS profile will this upcoming year include any extra sections about COVID-19. Um, but mm -hmm. certainly students can write about any financial um, challenges that they've experienced. You're all in good company. I mean, there's a lot of people, I mean, the unemployment and the um, de def deflation and all that. I mean, it, it is a concern that is everyone's concern in the U.S., out of the U.S., everywhere. And so it's a really good right. question. Um, there are opportunities to, to write about that on the CSS profile. And we also have an office for financial aid. So if you have unique or um, really kind of extenuating circumstances, um, such as total loss of income for your parents, or, you know, really, you know, if there's an unfortunate thing, such as the death in the family, things like that, um, you know, you are mm -hmm. encouraged to reach out to them and work with them about maximizing opportunities. Um, but the structure is still going to be need-based. So when you file the CSS profile this coming year, and you are at a much lower income than you would have been prior to this global crisis, you know, that will be reflected on our evaluation, and then that will hopefully and likely mean that you're eligible for more need-based aid. Um, and just a quick note about that as well, I forgot to mention, there will be a question from what I'm aware of on the common application that will ask about, um, about COVID-19 and how that's impacted you. And um, you could certainly write about your financial impact for that, but also that's a good opportunity to write about if your grades may have suffered or if your activities that you're normally involved with were canceled. Um, it's nothing to worry about because the entire world is going through the same thing. So you're never going to be penalized for something that's out of your control. We're not going to wonder why um, you had pass fail grades one semester or why you weren't president of your 
club in the spring of 2020. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's just not possible. So if you're concerned about that, please don't be. And if you are, if you want us to know anything in particular about how COVID has impacted you, the Common App is a place to write that, um, at least in terms of your admission and academics. Okay, lovely. Uh, so a couple of questions are coming up about uh, what is the gender balance in math and applied math? Mm -hmm. I don't know uh, the exact figures. Yeah, I don't know the exact figures. Um, so it's a little bit, NYU is lucky that we're fairly close on the 50-50 mark, um, you know, overall. Uh -huh. But in terms of um, the math classes, I don't know math. I know engineering is definitely skewed a little bit more towards, um, towards male students in terms of there's a higher population, I think maybe 60% male, 40% female. Um, in terms of math within the arts and science school, I don't know for sure. Um, I would imagine arts and science is pretty even. Math may be a little more male heavy, but that's just speculation. So um, I, I'm, I'm happy um, if you wanna provide my contact information, I'm happy to look into that further. Okay, uh, and what about, uh, what's typically the student-teacher ratio and the students per class uh, for STEM courses? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it varies a lot. Um, so the, the introductory courses that are more lecture style can be very large. They can be 200 students in a class. Um, but for the, the more applied courses, certainly with engineering, the laboratory experiences and the higher level classes, it's usually pretty small. It's usually classroom size of, of 20 to 30 students and a lot of cases much smaller than that. So we do make an, an important, um, we do put a lot of value in, in ensuring smaller class sizes for the specialized and higher level classes, um, certainly within engineering and some of the STEM opportunities because they're lab-based and they just require that level of, of faculty supervision. Okay. And I think there are some questions coming up about uh, what board is favored. Is, does IB make a student's application stronger? Would you consider GCSC and IB uh, to be stronger than the Indian boards? What would be uh, NYU's take on that? So, so no, we wouldn't. We would not. Um, because we see students who are successful in all three of those different uh, curriculum, curricula. And so certainly, um, we're not going to favor an IB student over someone who's taken CBSE and, and the Indian boards. We're just not. Uh, we want to see that you've taken a full load of courses and that you've earned good grades. So whichever you think is a better, a better academic opportunity for yourself is what you should take. Um, but truly and honestly, it's not going to make a difference for your admission. Right. And uh, hypothetically speaking, if you've not done well in grade 10, uh, and grade 11 and 12 you've improved, uh, would that be okay? Or would that grade 10 sort of, you know, become the black mark and <laughs> something that would really kind of pull down the application? Yeah, well, so it, so first of all, it depends on how, how low grade 10 is. Some, usually students who ask that question are talking about a grade that's not too concerning. So they end up saying, oh, you're, you're probably okay. Um, but you know, if, if, if grade 10 was a disaster, um, we would certainly rather see improvement than the other way around. It's much worse to have a, a, a to have your grades on a downward trend. So we will note upward trends in grades, um, and so absolutely that that is something that could that could be still considered for the application. The truth is, we are looking at all four years of your grades, though. So any concerning grade will be looked at very carefully. But it is much better to have 
any concerning grades earlier on than the other way around because it shows that you've decided to take your academics seriously or it could be that there's something that may have happened that caused those low grades but you know we, we really do look at everything we want to see good grades throughout though that's really the idea um, but one or two lower marks um, or, or more earlier on is much better than later on so if you're interested you should still apply and I know you've answered the question about IB and sort of, you know, the general score being 3840 and now it's probably gone up to 3940. Do you have something comparative to say about CBSC, uh, the Indian board, as to how much they would yeah. need to get into TISH? Yeah, so in terms of like numerically, I don't know if I would, but I would, I will say that we're, we're mostly seeing students on, um, you know, kind of the general A1, B1 on, on that scale. We're, we're mostly seeing mostly A's, maybe some B grades, maybe a C grade here and there, but not, not too many of those. So I don't know. I know that's a very vague response, but hopefully that's helpful for you. Um, you know, we're, we are much more of the looking at individual classes and grades than doing a GPA calculation. We actually don't do any kind of grade point average or grade average calculation at NYU. We just look at each course individually and um, note the number of courses of high grades, medium grades, and concerning grades. Okay. Um, and uh, how competitive is the BS in business BFA in film and television program? Is it more competitive applying sophomore or junior year? If there's um, so a transfer, I think that's what they're looking at. Yeah, um, so if you are... If you are transferring in or if you're looking at that dual major program, it's, it's, it, it is competitive, um, but it's, I wouldn't say it's more competitive one year versus the other. It just means that if you apply as a junior that we want to see that you've had an extra year of really strong grades. Um, it's not going to make a huge difference, though, in terms of your competitiveness or likelihood of admission. Okay, so I'm just going to address three more questions because I think sure. we're running out of time. Sure. Yeah, so uh, there, there are a couple of questions around research. So how mm -hmm. soon can a student start research with a professor after they've been admitted to NYU? Yeah. So truthfully, as soon as they're as soon as they as soon as they can, as soon as they want to. Um, so students, of course, have to develop a rapport and a relationship with a professor if they're interested in research. Oftentimes, professors will advertise research opportunities and they'll say that they're conducting research or that their colleague is conducting research in some specific area and they'll pass out either an email or some kind of an online contact where you can, um, in some cases, just sign up for it. In some cases, you'll have to apply for that. Um, and a lot of times we find that our students tell us that they just get to know their professors well and the professor invites them to participate in research. So. Um, there are many ways students can get involved. So we absolutely see first year students involved with research. Um, not, we see more, more students their second or third year get involved with research as they kind of find their footing at NYU and develop their academic interests and get to know their passions and their faculty a little bit better. But if a student is really excited about getting involved right away, there are opportunities to do so. Uh, so there are no minimum academic requirements. It all depends In on most whether cases, you can... No. Okay. Okay. Lovely. Yeah. That so, so great. yeah. There's no minimum academic requirements. It's 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 almost seen as an extracurricular activity. Um, that being said, there are some research opportunities. They might say that they're looking for a second or a third year only, but there are opportunities for first year students um, certainly um, from the get go. Uh, it's just that it depends on 
who the professor is and how um, what the process of applying for or signing up looks like. But I usually tell students, those who are very interested and who are actively asking their faculty and their advisors about opportunities will almost for sure find something. One more question about uh, yeah. the national service in Singapore. Uh, you're, you're, yeah. you're aware about the NSS. Yes. So a lot of students sure. apply, uh, have to do two years of NS. So uh, would that be an advantage for an applicant? Would, would that uh, show in their record? Mm -hmm. Sorry. So, so from the from the perspective of they've completed it and now they're applying after they've com completed their two years. Yes. Yes. No, or, they will be completing it and then applying. So, would that give right. them an advantage in their application? Mm -hmm. Not necessarily. No. Um, it, it, of course, it would never be a disadvantage, but um, you know, it shows that the student has um, has been involved in something um, very. Um, impressive and that requires you know a lot of a lot of work and discipline and so that is helpful but we're still going to focus mostly on the academic coursework while in high school so that's not going to make a huge difference on a student's admission lovely i think we've run out of time it's already 805 uh, and i think let's hope that the covid crisis is behind us term yes. starts in 2020 <laughs> It's been a yes. wonderfully enlightening session with you. Oh, thank you. Um, thank you. There's a lot of information you've given us to think about, and I'm sure there's lots of questions which were still uh, pending. Maybe we'll mail them to you and write back to them. Well, I think there was one question, yeah. sorry, about COVID-19 on the Common App. Was it really an optional question? Because I know it's come up as an optional question on the additional yeah. information. So there's a lot of worry. Is it really optional or should you be coming up with a story for it? But yeah, so <laughs> I don't think, yeah, no, I, 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 if it says it's optional, which at this point it's going to be, it is optional. This is really your opportunity for just to let us know if there's something we need to know. Um, we know that right. it's been tough for everyone, so you don't need to let us know how you spent your few months, you know, in lockdown or in um, stay at home. Sure. Um, so that's really more for just explaining um, any things about the application that you're concerned about. Um, and I will say, finally, while we are in this crisis, you know, altogether, the universities in the U.S. and certainly NYU, we are still fully open. So our buildings may be closed, but we are all working same hours, same contact. So. Um, please do reach out to me if you have questions. I threw so much information at you and it's, it's <laughs> immensely complicated. And so I know that there are a lot of wonderful resources you have um, to all the students out there. But my job is also to be able to be available to you and answer questions along the way. So don't, don't hesitate to email or call me if you have any questions. I'm happy to work with you. That's fantastic. Thank you, Alex. Thank you for sparing Thank the you. time and You're we'll be in Thank touch you for with questions. Me. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe.